Welcome to the podcast that explores eudaimonia. Euda what? Eudaimonia is the pursuit of well-being based on our individual needs, which I love because we are all unique and therefore our pursuit of wellness should be unique too. I'm a big fan of individualized, personalized care. There's no one size fits all. I'm your host, Emily Geiser. I'm a nature-loving, spiritually curious health and life coach who rarely runs out of questions, so I decided to host an interview-style podcast so that I can ask all the questions that I want. Each week, we'll dive into topics of personal development, nutrition, spirituality, mental health, and well-being with guests who generously share their tools and expertise. If you enjoy what you hear, please be sure to follow on Apple or subscribe on Spotify. It helps the podcast and you'll be alerted each week when a new episode drops. Let's dive in. We have Melissa Rose with us today. She is a committed investigative partner to individuals who have chronic or autoimmune conditions. Melissa's been working in the autoimmune community as a practitioner, advocate, speaker, and educator since 2017 and has extensive experience with rare autoimmune conditions. She provides innovative support, coaching, education, and encouragement throughout their journey. As a result of her own journey with multiple sclerosis, diagnosis, and recovery, she provides empathetic, highly personalized care. Her goal is to support, educate, and empower individuals to become well again. Welcome, Melissa. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. I love, love, love the conversation that we're going to have. Sweet. Yes, mm -hmm. let's do it. So I think the best place to start is for you to share your story. Thank you for this opportunity. So this kind of leans into my why, too. Why even do this work, right? Mm -hmm. Because working with, you know, complex clients in complex cases for a lot of practitioners is downright scary. But I'm like, bring it on. Mm -hmm. But the reason I do that is because that was me. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 33. And at that time, my, like my left side didn't work to, to pick something up. I would have to like really look because I couldn't feel anything. I didn't know if my fingers were going to respond. There were a whole lot of other things that were going on as well, but I was literally losing my ability to live life. And when I went in for my, what finally became my diagnosis appointment, I'd been doing testing for two years. I felt like a pincushion, been poked and prodded and nobody knew what was going on. And when I was in that session and the doctor said, you have multiple sclerosis. And he kept talking, but my brain kind of froze because my mom had it. Most of the women in my family have or had MS. My grandmother passed away with it and I knew what this would look like and yeah my brain stopped <laughs> and then after that like he wanted me to choose some medications to to help me with it and I was just flat freaked out scared I didn't know what to do so I walked away without making a decision and I didn't go back and it wasn't until I started to really recover and get better that I was like oh okay it is not true that you cannot get better from these kind of multifaceted, interconnected, interrelated, serious disease processes. It's not true. I'm actually getting better. So that's what fuels me to do what I do, because I believe 
honest to pee, clear down into my toes, that our bodies can be well. And I get to see it every day in my clients. I get to live it every day. Everything works. Most of you can't see Melissa right now, but she used her left hand to pick up something and yep. has, has full use. And you shared with me that you are, you, you call yourself recovered from MS. Will you say mm -hmm. more about that? Oh, yes. So in my MRIs, my blood work, nothing is showing any clues for MS. So fun fact, I'm just finishing my training on a new neurology test that we get to use here in the functional medicine world. And it just excites me to no end because it lets me see in like what is happening in the brain and what is what is inflamed, what is creating antibodies, what are those antibodies to. And I can really get nitty gritty about what's happening in the brain and because most of my clientele obviously have neurological symptoms. So I have one of those tests sitting on my desk ready for myself because I want to check in and go, okay. Is this still the case? Can I still say I'm completely recovered from multiple sclerosis? I'm so incredible. The search is on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we were talking previously, I think you told me that your first, what you could trace back as probably being your first sign or symptom was when you were nine years old. So this isn't just a quick onset of symptoms. No. This is the first third of my life. Let's hope I get to live 90 plus years. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and what were those early symptoms like what category were they in pain oh, yeah I was number two of four kids right and we loved to play in the yard and carry on and whatever and I remember going oh is this what it feels like to be old like my body hurt to do a cartwheel it hurt at nine years old at nine years old mm -hmm. and I was just like so tired Everybody else was still wanting to play, and they're like, we do, you know, you're the fourth. Ugh. There just wasn't a lot of get up and get. Not how a nine-year-old should feel. No. But I didn't know, you know, you I just know, thought, whatever, it's of me, course. here I am. Yeah. And it's a little bit like putting the frog in a pot of water, right, where the you turn the water up and you don't quite realize how much is escalating because it's just your lived experience. Thank you for bringing that up. Because I remember when I started to get better and my last symptom went away, I remember thinking, is this what it really feels like to be well? Wow. That gives me chills just, <laughs> just to hear you say that. Yeah. So you feel better today than you felt in the in a long time. And if you guys can see, if you can see Melissa, her face, she is glowing and radiant and laughing and full of oh. life and energy. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Every day that I get to get out of bed, I swing myself up. I can sit up by myself. I swing my feet onto the floor. I can feel the floor and I don't have to have anybody help me stand up. I'm like, it's a good day. I love it. I love it. When we when we talked, I shared with you that my brother-in-law passed away with a diagnosis mm -hmm. of MS. And as a health coach, my husband's in the health world too. We were, you know, honestly quite shocked by the guidance given by the doctors. Like what they were prescribing that he he do seemed counter to what I understand about inflammation and healing. So can you share with us like how 
I think this is a bigger conversation about autoimmune issues, which I would love to get into because so many people are struggling and suffering with them, feeling like it's a lifelong diagnosis. So can you bring us back to maybe MS in particular, but how you look at these issues and help work with your clients? I love that question. How long do we have? (laughs) As long as you want. As long as you want. It's a hot topic. Oh, girl. So I love this question because first of all, like when I start with a client, one of the things we work on is what is your perception of the diagnosis that you have or the symptoms that you have? Do you feel like these symptoms are here because you have MS or have you been diagnosed with MS? It's not become you. It's like, this is the name that was given to describe what's happening in my body. And the other thing is to shift our thoughts just a little bit around symptoms. Because often we feel like my body hates me. This is just the worst thing. I have to fight. I have to be a warrior. And sometimes we need those to keep ourselves going. But symptoms are literally a gift. They are a cry for help from our bodies to say, look, honey, I love you, but I've done everything I can do inside here. And this, I can't do it anymore. So this is the symptom that I'm giving you to get your attention. Okay, let's pause right there for a second for the people in the back row. Like (laughs) I think about this with our bodies. I talk about this with our bodies Mm -hmm. quite a bit, that these are our check engine lights. If we pay attention to all these things that drive us crazy, And look at it as just a loving, hello, pay attention to this, whether it's weight gain, headaches, Mm -hmm. cycle irregularity, the list can go on and on. But it is a sign from the body that something is amiss, right? And if we can kind of address it sooner rather than later, it prevents a lot of these cascading issues. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just feel like that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Point needs to be made, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think, too, thinking about that, if we can notice these things coming on early, then our body doesn't have to get the bullhorn out. (laughs) No, okay. Your left side doesn't work anymore. Right. Excuse this brief interruption, but first I want to give a huge shout out to the hundred or so of you doing the Sugar Shake Off. Thank you so much for joining me. If you happen to miss this one, you can put your name on the wait list for the next round, which is probably happening in January. The wait list is on my website. So if you've been listening to this podcast, then you know that I've been a health coach for over a decade, but moreover, really interested in health for several decades and a student, a researcher. So here's a quick story. When I first started to notice signs of perimenopause several years ago, I began a new experiment. Even though I'd studied hormonal wellness for the past 25 years, I dove back into the research when the night sweat started, along with more frequent headaches, some weight changes, and massive bleeding. I started to make tiny tweaks and adjustments that better balanced my changing hormones. And that eliminated my night sweats, my headaches, and my heavy bleeds. Today, my cycle is also better than ever. No PMS, on time, 28 days. And did I say no more night sweats, barely any headaches? So good. I feel better than ever now, and I have the glow to prove it. And because many of you listening are in the throes of hormonal changes and not sure how to best manage them, 
I've gathered all this knowledge and research and condensed it into a six-week program called Happier Hormones. I offered it for the first time this past spring and got really positive feedback. My clients reported feeling so much more energized and balanced, and I've heard they're continuing to feel the improvements. So I'm offering it again this fall. In this class, you'll learn about what tends to disrupt our hormones and how we can adjust it through eating for hormonal health, really nourishing the nervous system, countering the effects of stress, learning how to sync to your second body clock. And through that, you'll learn how to manage your mood, your weight, your energy, and teach your body how to burn fat. So we will be starting this on October 2nd, six weeks to happier hormones. You can sign up now for early bird pricing. Links are in the show notes and on my website, emilygeiser.com. Oh, I love that. And I think too, working at it from this angle and listening to the symptoms, seeing what we see in test results, understanding what's happening in the body and what's off kilter, and then looking for what is causing that to be off kilter. And there can be a whole gamut of things. And so I'll just start with some of the specific ones that I see a lot for multiple sclerosis. One of the top things is mold toxicity. Another one is intense parasite issues. Another one is, well, this is not the t- one of the top, but this would be my third one, is unforgiveness or feeling unsafe. And I know that sounds weird to put that in there because we think of that as a, you know, a mental health arena. But what that causes in our body is a constant fight or flight state. And when our body is always on high, pretty soon we can't sustain that. Like our nervous system can't sustain that. So it can be stuck on high or the body just kind of goes and we can't sustain that. So our body creates a suppressed immune system. So autoimmune in its purest form is the immune system that is dysregulated, whether it's full bore ahead, really suppressed or flip-flopping between the two. So when we think about MS, I really lean into, okay, what is causing inflammation in the body all of the time? Do we have mold toxicity? Do we have food sensitivities? What do we have going on here? What is causing the immune system to really go out of balance? In my experience with people who have mold toxicity, that's a long healing process. And and also can be challenging to identify where the exposure is coming from. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. It takes being tenacious. Mm-hmm. Like having in your heart, I am going to figure this out and I'm not going to stop until I do. Yeah. But the fun thing is, I work with a lot of MS clients, obviously, because, you know, they're like, okay, she had it and she's doing amazing. So I want to work with her. <laughs> and so one of the things I like to really lean into, though, is that multiple sclerosis is literally a description for what is happening in the body. And what is causing that to happen in the body, the cause behind that for each person is very largely different. Okay. Mm -hmm. So take, I'm going to give you two stories. Mine, I was highly, highly sensitive to gluten and I had a candida overgrowth that was amazing, not in a good way. And those were like some of the pillars that was causing my body to go off kilter. They weren't the only one are the only things, but they were kind of the big things. But for another gal that I'm working with right now, she has active EBV 
Teen bar pirate. Most of us have it. We get it when we're kiddos and it feels like a cold and a runny nose when we when it first comes to visit. But then it doesn't leave the body. And if the body is weakened and it's working on all these other fronts and it's not able to then address that viral load, then it can become an issue. But for her, that's a big piece. But she also has streptococcus that's just really, really high and well, toxicity. So for her, what is causing her multiple sclerosis is a completely different picture than what it was for me. So just kind of illustrating, even though you might have rheumatoid arthritis or, you know, whatever it is, what is causing your situation is very likely different than the neighbor down the road who has the very same diagnosis. I think this is so important to bring up because in my experience going to a conventional doctor, they're going to give you the diagnosis and treat your diagnosis the same as the person down the road who has a very different root cause of their diagnosis, right? Because the that's what they're treating is the diagnosis, the name of what's happening in the body versus what's causing it. And so how do you approach this differently? Is it through testing? Like where do you learn where the root cause is? Say a little bit about what that looks like for you. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> so yes, I like to do testing, but I also like to really take into account the symptoms. Symptoms are golden information from your body. I like to use those, but I also really like to lean into the timeline. How did you get here? How did this build for you? What were the things that really, like you saw, a distinct change? So another story that just popped into my head is this little gal, she had fibromyalgia, right, when she came. And we were doing her timeline. And she was, we were just going along and her body was getting a little off balance, but it wasn't terrible. And then her favorite grandfather passed away. Like he was her rock. And nine months later was full onset of fibromyalgia for her. I was like, uh-huh. Okay. So really understanding what's happening. And it doesn't have to be a, a trauma or something that's huge. It can be moving to an, a different place. And maybe the water is contaminated and your body shows that up. Maybe it is, you know, you went to a new school and you didn't feel safe. You felt like the weird one in the room. And you really went inside and you really were kind of you know, became this very quiet, shy person that wasn't really you. And we need to look at all the pieces. We need to look at environmental. We need to look at emotional. And we need to look at physiological. Because all of those pieces can have be huge contributors to what we then discover as root causes. And do you find the adjusting diet benefits all of your patients? Diet's just such a big piece of my work. I definitely approach everything mm -hmm. with a food-first approach, and I know it impacts people differently. I'm just curious mm -hmm. if that is something that you feel like is universal. Oh, I love that question. Because now as I'm just flying through my list of clients for the last you know, 10 years, thank you. I'm going, <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's any one person that we haven't talked about food. <laughs> because food sensitivities are a big thing. And also, what are you eating that is actually supporting your body? Right. And what are you eating that your body's going, thanks, but no. Yeah. And it really creates a space, like, ex for example, food sensitivities. That is a front line. That's like one of the layer one things that we do to really help reduce inflammation. But as I've been in this work for, for years, I'm starting to understand why we get food sensitivities 
and why they're such a big deal. Because if we can cut them out, really address those whys, most of the time, unless it's a really big sensitivity and sometimes paired with a histamine response, there may be some foods that you can't bring in. They will never be okay for your body. And it may be something silly like cinnamon or pineapple. Or it may be something that we expect, like gluten or dairy or sugar or something like that. But food is really, really important because our choices in food, in thoughts, in environment, how we choose to think about ourselves, all these pieces are equally important when we really are working on supporting our bodies becoming well. I want to share a little anecdote with you. I just had a podcast interview a little bit ago, and I was talking with a woman who was diagnosed with osteoarthritis at age 27, very young. And the doctor at that point, you know, it was like 20 years ago, said, just kick your feet up and don't do anything. And this is a woman who like the outdoors, she's a rock climber and a hiker, and that was her world. And they're like, just put your feet up, and that's how it's going to be. She talked about her pain being at a level 10. Waking up Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, having to like her joints locked in place, Mm -hmm. having to press them down Mm -hmm. through diet and lifestyle. She -hmm. says her pain is around roughly a two, sometimes lower now. And you and I have talked about trauma in the past. Mm -hmm. And she did say she also had childhood trauma that she knows is part of it. And she really had, speaking of the forgiveness piece, like she really has to work on on that trauma piece, as well as stress management and her diet. Yeah. So can you... My brain goes all clinical when you start telling that story. Sure. (laughs) Sorry she's not here for you guys to have a chat. It was a fascinating discussion, but it's so linked to what you and I are talking about and what we had talked about previously with trauma being so an underpinning piece of autoimmune issues. And so you can't undo that trauma was there, right? Like you can heal your gut in a certain way. You can change your diet in a certain way, but trauma is with you. So I'm curious as you are healing people, how do you approach the trauma? I mean, I heard you say the forgiveness piece. So can you expand on that a bit more? So one of my favorite things to do is to ask questions and hold space. And I've got some tools in my toolbox to help, especially using things like meditation, reframing, mirror work, that kind of stuff. But if it's somebody who has really entrenched trauma and the gentle ways of working with that that I use are not effective enough, we actually have on staff a trauma specialist that we send clients to that really, I mean, this has been her heart work for 15 years. She's been in the stat trauma world. Like when somebody's, you know, wanting to not be in the world anymore, she's the woman they call. So, but that's why we brought her on staff is because she has such a beautiful, gentle, warm way of really standing with clients who are in a tough spot. So I liked, you know, just beginning with sitting with that and letting yourself think about it, asking questions, holding space, using breath work, meditation, we use tapping a lot, really helping your body release that feeling and that tightness and then leaning into practices, daily practices that can help them continue that work. But yes, if we get somebody that needs a trauma specialist, we have a gal, amazing gal on staff. <laughs> amazing. There's so many layers. You say this is like a real, it's really complex problem solving. 
-hmm. right? And not all practitioners and doctors are going to leave space for that or have time for that, really. It's not built into most care models. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's why this is so important to me is because this was me and I know what it feels like. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Did you also get the gaslighting from the medical staff? I, I did. hear about that so, so much. much. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a real problem with autoimmune stuff. That's where I hear about it most frequently. It's like, if I can't understand this, it's probably just mostly in your head. Right? I heard that so many times did in you? my journey. And then from nearly every client that comes through the door, like, for example, I, I had a, I'm working with a little gal. She been, we've been working with her about a year now and she came in covered with lesions and literally everybody in the valley the medical profession had said I don't know what to do with you I'm not even going to start work with you and she walked in my door and she just looked like she looked like hell mm -hmm. and she was like can you help me and I just wrapped her up like another thing people were afraid to touch her wrapped her up in a tight hug and just let her sob I'm like you know what yes the answer is yes, in bright, bold letters. Hear me. We're going to figure this out. And we did. Wow. And that was just a year ago. Yeah. She actually comes in ne next week. That's why I thought of her. I saw her on the schedule. She looks amazing. She looks like a different woman. Her hair's growing back. Last time we chatted, she only had two or three active lesions left. She's like a new woman. And almost every time she comes in, she's like, thank you for giving me my life back. And I'm like, girl, that was you. I just helped you figure out what to do. So I'm just curious if what she has has a name. Not that it even no, matters, but. Mm -hmm. it, did, it had no diagnosis. But what we found for her was she had intense fungal overgrowth and she was just full of parasites. Yeah. To the place where they were literally coming out her skin. Fascinating. But I love it. It's like getting a new puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about sugar a little bit. What yeah. do you find to be the downstream effects of sugar that's most concerning to you? You're talking to a girl that just learned how to read a new neurology test. <laughs> and sugar is all over that thing. Awesome. Okay. Say more so, about this. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, when you look at a, an active scan, of the brain with sugar and cocaine, it lights up in the same way. So sugar in the brain is, yes, it's excitatory, but it also has a way of becoming something you depend on. So for several different ways, but there are clear neurological links to why your body will want sugar. Yes, it can be the bacteria and the microbes in the gut that's going, feed me, feed me. That's my favorite thing. But also it can be in how our brain is working and firing that when we become dependent on that and that starts to go away, your brain actually almost goes into a panic mode. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I need this. Right. The second thing is to really understand how sugar affects the neurological pathways in the brain. because. Like I work with a lot of autoimmune clients, right? They have neurological issues. And some people that sugar, like when we can take that out of their world. I've got a little gal right now. Just we chatted yesterday. We had a session yesterday. Sugar 
was what was causing the electrical things in her legs. She has MS, and it was causing her muscles to just go, like, just, just really get spastic and stuck. And so we've taken out sugar for her, and it's taken a while for her to get that out because it's hard. She's been completely off sugar for three, four weeks, I think. And her spasticity and tingles in her legs are finally gone. And she went to a friend's house a couple of days ago and she didn't know what was in the meal and there was sugar in it. And she started to get those zings again. And she's like, we're like, well, now we know. We know for sure that it was sugar that caused this for her. Incredible. So just small amounts can trigger issues for people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when they are really, really sensitive, and there's only a few folks that I've seen this happen with, one is me, is they have a literal histamine response to sugar. Like, I cannot do it. My hands swell. My throat swells. My feet swell. My face swells. I look like a chipmunk. <laughs> but we can have a literal histamine reaction to sugar as well. And often we don't realize that is going to happen. Until we've taken it out, our body has been able to clear, and then it sneaks back in, and our body gives us that response. And we're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Guess I won't do that again. Well, that's so interesting. This makes me want to ask a question. My friend was just telling me she went through a hard year a couple of years ago, and she was mm-hmm. saying that her coping mechanism at that point was to leave her office, go buy a tube of cookie dough, sit in her car and eat the whole tube of cookie dough. And then go back to work. And then she's like, and then I'm just absolutely pouring sweat the rest of the afternoon, which I assumed was a blood sugar response, but it sounds like it could have been a histamine response as well. Yeah. Potentially. And to be honest, that is gluten, sugar, and eggs all together. Gluten and sugar today together are a powerful duo for anybody that has an autoimmune condition. Mm -hmm. Not a powerful duo in a fun way. Right. (laughs) Another thing to think about with sugar, too, is if anybody has digestive issues, which you know this, so it's old hat for you. But anybody with digestive issues, especially if they are having bloating and and, and really stomach pain or slow bowel movements or whatever, especially an hour to two hours after, we're looking at marked bacterial imbalance, especially around the ileocecal valve area. That's a bacterial overgrowth. It's got a name. I'm not going to tell you. Because I want you to lean into the symptoms piece, okay? But sugar can be a prime trigger for that. And the other one is anybody that has candida or an overgrowth of candida in any way, sugar is, that's what candida needs to survive. And that, all on its own, joyful, can cause neurological symptoms enough to get an autoimmune diagnosis. Oh, interesting. Candida overgrowth on its own? It can cause intense anxiety as well. So anybody that has, you know, kind of some some concerns in that area, boy, howdy, I do some testing around that and see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I have to say that an anti-candida diet was the first time I had worked with food in such an empowering way and and discovered like the not to be redundant, but like the power of food and how much better I could feel by that. In the past, I'd worked with food to to like shrink my size. But this is the first time I worked with food for like my well-being. And it was amazing. It was amazing. That's why I feel like people starting with ditching sugar is a great thing just for a few days to see like, 
what is it what does it feel like how much more energy can you have the bloat goes away pretty quickly you know your skin tightens up pretty quickly there's a quick response because mm -hmm. oh it's just so pervasive and then if you see those results and you're like okay i can do this for a month your pancreas gets a rest your internal organs get a rest the bacteria backs down your brain gets a rest how awesome is that so good do you think that everybody benefits from removing sugar at times in their life, even if their goal is not to be sugar-free, but just to like give themselves a break for the reasons you just suggested? Yes. Mm -hmm. And not just give yourself a break. I mean, yeah, but to make it a lifestyle to give yourself a break. <laughs> yeah. Because there's nothing in sugar that we need. We right. really don't need sugar. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in our bodies that we have to have sugar. Like this is a conversation I have a lot with my type one or type two diabetes clients that come in is, you know, I have low, you know, my sugar goes low and I have to get it up there. I'm like, uh-huh. So let's work on why that happens. And then we're going to start titrating off because your body doesn't need sugar. And that's kind of a hard line, I know. But our bodies really don't. We get enough sugar, sugar, if you want to say it, from just regular food meat and vegetables and fruit and all the fun things that we get to eat. My, my grandpa had diabetes and I remember he would carry around little Snickers bars in his car for when that, those things happened. And I didn't question it then. My mom also complained of having hypoglycemia. And so mm -hmm. she would carry certain things with her as well. But these blood sugar imbalances kind of were a big part of my childhood because their lives were a little bit structured around it. You know, there'd be yeah. panic when my mom could feel her blood sugar going and like everything had to stop and grab the snacks. And as I yeah. learned much more about nutrition, I'm shocked at the way that they were instructed to manage that because it's similar to my brother-in-law, very counterproductive to the end goal of healing. You're doing such good work. What what do you want to share that I haven't known to ask you or we haven't gotten to yet? Uh, I think if I could have anyone walk away from this conversation, this is what I would want them to hear. Your body is amazing and it is fully capable of recovery and being completely well. Doesn't hate you. It's got your back like from here to Sunday. Love it. And lean into your intuition. Our bodies have this wisdom if we just pay attention. Speaking of the check engine lights, right? Yes. Don't put duct tape over them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's interesting how we're just, I feel like we're messaged to ignore, push past, medicate, whatever you need just to kind of keep going with what you want to do and make all the, make all the other stuff go. And learning how to run this engine that we have is really important. And it's so much fun when it works good. Yes. I say that all the time. Like feeling good feels good. It just feels really good, right? Yeah. It's celebration. It's us getting to live life wide open. Oh, I love this conversation, girl. Me too. Thank you so much for having it. One question that I ask all my guests is if you have a morning routine. And if so, what is it? Oh, all right. So drag myself out of bed without an alarm. I like to make sure that I get enough sleep, that my body wakes up when it's ready to wake up. And usually it wakes up at 6.30, sharp. So go downstairs, get ready for about an hour of meditation. I had to work up to that. So don't feel bad if you can't do an hour. 
<laughs> but I've learned that that is a mainstay for me simply because I, I work with so many really deep issues for other people. So I have to really be intentional about not taking on their stuff. So that's one of the ways I really keep myself balanced. And then have a leisurely morning. Fuel my body really, really well. And mosey into work about nine o'clock because I want that morning to be really centered around refueling myself, getting my head and my heart in a really good place, grounding well, because from that space, I can serve well. Beautiful. Love it. I'm going to link below in the show notes all the places people can find you. Do you want to give voice to anything in particular while we're here? We are accepting new clients. We have another functional medicine practitioner besides myself. We have Matt works with us. He is a world-known mindset coach. Really, he had MS too. Oh, strange how we all seem to end up here. And then our functional health, mental health practitioner that I was telling you about earlier on the team. So we're accepting new clients into the practice. And it's really easy to get started with us. The one thing that I would lean into with you, if you're like, okay, I, this is what I need. And what you're hearing today is really resonating deeply. I want you to lean in before you even click on the create a discovery call or an introductory call is really lean into what do I need for me? Because that's one of the first questions I'm going to ask you. Because this journey, whether it's with me, whether it's with you, whether it, whoever it's with as a practitioner, really leaning into what do you want. So patient-centered. Beautiful. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. I love this conversation. Thank you. Very fun. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass along to a friend. You can help others find this podcast more easily by taking a moment to rate and review. And if you're curious what it's like to work with me or just want to learn more about the work I do in optimizing your own wellness, head to my website, emilygeiser.com. You can connect with me directly on Instagram at emilygeiser. Links for those are in the show notes. I'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Until then, think good thoughts and go for them.